Chapter 22 of the Boy Scouts Along the Susquehanna. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Boy Scouts Along the Susquehanna by Herbert Carter. Chapter 22 Drawing the Net. Whenever Thad Brewster started to do anything, he went about it in a thorough manner. He was no believer in halfway measures which accounted for much of the success that had crowned his efforts in the past, as those who have read former books in this series must know. He arranged the beating party in such a way that Giraffe and Davy went together, Alan and Step Hen for a companion, while the southern lad accompanied Thad himself. Having given the campkeepers a few last instructions with regard to remaining on the alert and listening for any signals, such as members of the Silver Fox Patrol were in the habit of exchanging while in the woods and separated, Thad led the way toward the upper end of the island. They found no trouble in arriving there. The river had indeed fallen very much, and the flat rock upon which the nose of the shanty boat had been driven by the fierce current was now a way out of the water. Had the craft remained where it struck, it would be high and dry ashore. The boys would not have been human had they not first of all looked yearningly toward the shore, between which and themselves rolled a wide stretch of water. Still, as the sun shone brightly, and the air was getting comfortably warm, the outlook did not seem anything like that which they had faced on the preceding morning. And besides, they had just eaten a breakfast that at least satisfied their gnawing hunger, and that counted for considerable. Thad did not waste much time in looking around, but proceeded to business. He had already apportioned his followers, so that everyone knew who his mate was to be. Alan, you and Stephen take the right third. Giraffe covered the left side with Davy, and we'll look after the middle, he told them, in his quiet yet positive way to cause the words to sink in and be remembered. And in case we run across George and his pal were to give a yell, is that the game, Thad? asked the lengthy scout. Our old shout that we know so well, don't forget, he was told. An ordinary whoop isn't enough, for somebody might let out that kind if only he tripped and felt himself falling. If you want me to come across, bark like a fox three times. In case you get no answer, repeat the signal, and if that doesn't fetch me, call out my name. We're on, Thad, is that all? Giraffe asked impatiently. Go! With that they were off, three pair of eager human hounds bent on discovering the hiding place of the tramps who had for so long been hovering just ahead of them, like one of those strange lights in swampy marshes, a jack-o'-lantern as they call it, that keeps eluding your grasp, now appearing here and then vanishing, to crop up suddenly in another place. To begin with, it seemed easy enough to move along. The scrub was not very dense at the upper end of the island, for some reason or other, but seemed to get heavier the further they advanced. Acting on the suggestion of Thad, each couple spread out a little more as they continued to push on, although remaining in touch with one another. In this way, it was possible to cover more ground than by keeping close together. Giraffe was certainly in his element, he kept his gunstock partly under his arm and was ready to elevate the weapon at a second's warning. In fact, as he prowled along in this way, the tall scout looked the picture of a hunter expecting feathered game to flush before him, which he must cover instantly, or expect it to place obstacles between, as a woodcock always will. Davy did not like to roam along entirely unarmed, and hence he hunted up a club, which he gripped valorously. He kept just a little behind Giraffe, if an imaginary line were marked across the island from shore to shore. 
This was because he wished to allow the one who held the firearm a full sweep of territory in case he found occasion to shoot or even threaten. Now and then Giraffe would speak to his companion, as a rule asking him to kindly give a poke in that patch of bushes where it looks like a man might find it easy to hide or peek into that hole between the rocks. Davy, don't be afraid a bear will come out at you, because there ain't any such good luck waiting for us. By giving various signals, the boys managed to maintain something like a straight line as they pushed on. They could see one another frequently, too, which enabled them to keep from forging ahead in any one place. Listen to the crows cawing, will you, Giraffe presently remarked, as though the noise of the flock might be sweet music to his ears, since it told of the life in the open which Giraffe dearly loved. They're a noisy lot, ain't they, remarked Davy. Whatever do you suppose ails that bunch of crows, Giraffe? Would they scold that way if they just happened to see a pair of hobos eating breakfast, do you think? Well, it might be they would, the other replied thoughtfully. And come to think of it, they're somewhere down below us, ain't they? Hunters often know when game is moving by the signs in the sky, for birds can see down, and they talk, you know, in a language of their own. I've often wished I could understand what crows said when they scolded so hard. Just there Davy began to move away from his partner again, as he tried to cover his share of the territory, so conversation died out temporarily between them. They had passed the place where the campfire burned, with Bumpus and Smithy watching their movements eagerly. The thick brush now hid the camp from their sight, and what lay before them they could only guess. Once more Davy drew close to his mate, thrusting his club to the right and to the left, in the endeavor not to leave a stone unturned in clearing up the land. "'Wherever do you think they've gone, Giraffe?' he asked, as though beginning to feel the strain of the suspense that hung over them as they continued the strange hunt for the tramps. "'It's my honest opinion,' the other replied, "'that we ain't going to see a sign of them till we get way down to the other end. "'And they didn't come through here either "'because we'd have run across some sign to tell us that.' Then how could they reach the lower end of the island, demanded Davy quickly, thinking he had caught Giraffe in a hole. Why, they made off to the beach after they got the stuff, and trailed down that way, which you can understand must have been the easiest, all things considered, the tall scout went on to explain. I believe in applying that old principle, and figuring what you'd have done if it had been you. And anybody with horse sense would know it was lots easier tramping on the shore to this way of breaking through. Still, that thought we ought to do it, Davy remarked. That was right, as he nearly always is, Giraffe pursued doggedly, because this is the only way we can make dead sure. I've got a hunch that they built a fire and proceeded to cook a warm meal. Want to know what makes me think so? Well, we had an extra box of matches along, and that went with the rest of the things. George knew he needed it, long before they've had their fire, and it's all day with that grub of ours. We'll get it back when we surround the hobos, but you won't know it. What if they don't surrender when we ask them, Davy wanted to know. They better go slow about that same, he was immediately told as Giraffe shook his head energetically. We've got the law on our side, you see, after that pair breaking into the farmhouse the way they did and showing themselves to be regular robbers as well as tramps, yeggmen they call that kind. If I pink George after seeing him threaten me, I couldn't be held responsible for the same. When a man is a fugitive from justice, and the long arm of the law stretched out to grab him, he hasn't got any rights, you understand. Every man's hand is against him, and he's just got to take his medicine, that's all. Giraffe had a little smattering of legal knowledge, and he certainly did like to hear himself talk, given a chance. 
Just then, Davy seemed to be glad to learn certain facts upon which he may have been a little hazy. Didn't I hear you talking with Stephan the last time you crossed over his line? Or no, it must have been Bob White, because he's with that in the middle track, Giraffe asked a short time later, as once more he and his partner came into touch. Yes, it was Bob speaking to me, admitted the other, and what do you think he said he believed he had discovered a bee tree, and only wished we'd be here long enough to get a chance at the honey. Well, what next, I wonder, ejaculated Giraffe with the air of one who has received especially good news. I always did say I liked honey about as well as anything that grew, but then he added as though seized with a sudden depressing remembrance, what good with all the wild honey going to a fellow when he hasn't got a cupful of flour to make a flapjack with, or a single cracker to eat with the nectar? Oh, rats, but this is tough. Anyhow, Davy continued, Bob, he said the tree was a whopper for size, and the hive was way up in a dead limb that we couldn't well reach. So I guess that winds it up for us this trip. And as you say, Giraffe, what good would just plain honey do a starving crowd? Give me bread before you try to plaster me with honey. Still, it's queer how many things we keep finding on this same island, isn't it? There goes another rabbit right now, Davy. And I could have knocked him over as easy as you please if I was hunting something to eat, instead of men. They always do say what strange things you do see when you haven't got a gun. And with us it runs the other way for we've got a shooting iron, but doesn't it use the same for fear of alarming our human quarry? You do manage to put things before a fellow the finest way ever, Giraffe, Davy told him, and some of these days I expect to see you making a cracking good lawyer, or an auctioneer, or something that requires the gift of gab. But seems to me we've been poking like this for a long time now. How much further do you think the island runs? It's some longer than I had any idea would be the case, admitted Giraffe, but I reckon we're shallowing up now. The shoreline looks to me like it's beginning to draw in closer every time I make the beach. If that's so, we ought to come together down at the lower end before a great while now. Say, what if we do get there and never once sight George and his pal giraffe? Ah, don't be trying to get off conundrums on me, Davy. I never was much good at guessing the answer, the tall scout went on to complain. It don't seem like that could happen, because they're here on our island and we sure haven't left a single place unsearched where a fox could hide. Don't borrow trouble, my son. We're bound to corral the pair down at the lower point, and they'll throw up their hands when they see us coming, six abreast, with guns leveled and all that. I hope so, Giraffe. I hope it turns out that way, but I'm not feeling as sure as you are. Something seems to keep on telling me we're due for a big surprise, and I'm trying to shut my teeth, so as to be ready to meet it like a scout should always meet trouble. He had hardly said the last word when a large object jumped almost under Davy's feet, upsetting him completely, and as he fell over, nimbly turning a complete back somersault, for Davy was as smart at such things as any circus performer, he managed to bawl out wildly, Bear! Bear! Why don't you shoot a giraffe? End of chapter 22